Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. It's always a good thing. Come to the house of the Lord with one another. Amen. We have, uh, over the last, well, quite a bit of time here now. I don't know what the time frame is. Been several months been talking about walking in the life of God. The, God, the abundant life, Jesus called it. Paul called it the life of God. Um, and so... Um, Again, we're going to talk some more about it and kind of take up some, pick up some things that we talked about last week and kind of go into what we got to do for you today. And so with that, let's just do maybe a little quick review. Let's again, let's look at uh, John 10 and 10, please. It says, a thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. How many know we have an enemy? I said, how many know we have an enemy? And, uh, you know, the enemy has done one thing really good, actually probably a couple things pretty good. One of the things that the enemy has done real good is convince people he doesn't exist. Because there's a lot of people don't even, you know, and even a lot of folk that might know there's an enemy sometimes forget that we have an enemy. Come on, somebody. And then there's a lot of other people that sometimes he's convinced, you know, through Hollywood and different things like that, that the enemy has more power than he really does. Um, you know, he's really been defeated. But how I many know he's, a, he's, a, he's really good at manipulation? He's quite a manipulator. And so he's going to do what he can to come in and steal, kill, and destroy due to manipulation. And that's how he works. So Jesus said, the thief comes to, except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, he says, that you may have life, right? Zoe life is the Greek word. And that they may have it more abundantly to the overflow, right? Let's look at a couple other translations. The message translation says a thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. He ain't there to be your friend. Come on. I came so they can have real and eternal life or perpetual life, that means, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Praise God. Everybody say eternal life. Eternal life, I always like to touch on that when I do it because Jesus said in John 17, he brought it real clear. He said, this is eternal life is knowing the only true God and the one in whom he sent. So when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you at that moment began to tap a thing called eternal or perpetual life. Come on, somebody. Because the reason you have to address that, because a lot of folks think that you don't tap that until you get to heaven. But how many know Jesus said, your will, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, days like heaven on earth. I'll take some of that. Anybody else take some of that? Yes. Amen. So let's look at the Amplified now. Praise the Lord. It says, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have, I like this, and enjoy life. You got to get some believers to get, enjoy this life. Come on now. Have it and enjoy it, praise God. And have it in an abundance. Why? To the, or how? To the full till it overflows, praise God. So again, zoe life means absolute life or pure life is what the word zoe means. It means absent of death, absent of curse, absent of darkness. Okay, so the life that we're talking about is a life where the enemy has no hold. Come on, somebody. Where the enemy can't get in and steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. So what we've been doing over the last whatever it's been, a few months here, a couple months, whatever it's been, uh, talking about the different things that, that help or open the door, amen, for you to, to walk in that abundant life, to walk in that life of God, amen, and there's things that are out there that open the door for the enemy. 
And so we've been looking at this from coming at it from multiple angles. Amen. Uh, what we talked about last week, uh, talking about the power of thanks and what it means to be thankful, to have gratitude. Amen. How gratitude uh, can be a key to walking in the life of God. Uh, Dr. Barkley, uh, one of his uh, uh, parables, his own personal parable, so to speak, uh, he says this. He says that uh, the, the, the door to life, or a doorway to life, or I, I think it actually says every door is what he says. Every door to life is hinged on gratitude. That if you want to experience life, you're going to have to stay grateful. So I kind of took my own spin to that and just said, you know, uh, you know, every door to death is hinged on complaining. Because that's what we talked about last week, the difference between being grateful and being a complainer. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, no complaining here. Amen. We don't want any of that. Amen. So last week we looked at a couple verses. We're going to look at a couple of them and then we're going to move on. Uh, but out of Deuteronomy in chapter 30, verse 19 and 20, it says this. He said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Now, not that God's against you, but what he says is this. Listen, you ain't going to be able to come back and say, I didn't tell you. Now, what he just got done doing is listing, explaining the difference between the blessing and the curse, between death, or pardon me, life and death, all right? He began to explain the difference, amen. And so that's all been recorded. It was all taught, amen. And then he says, listen, now, you're not going to be able to come back and say, I didn't tell you. All right. Now he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, just in case you don't know, I'm going to help you here. Choose life. Amen. That both you and your descendants may live. Let's look at verse 20. Then we'll kind of jump back up there again. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life. That's where your life is. It's always in him. Let's try that again. That's where your life is. It's always in Him. Yes, Amen. The life we're talking about, if you want to experience that kind of life, well, you're going to have to stay connected to Him. Right. I'll try this side. Amen. If you want to experience life to the full, you're going to have to stay connected to Him. Amen. Try this side one more time. Give you another opportunity. Amen. If you want to, if you want to experience the fullness of life, you've got to stay connected to Him. Amen. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well, I mean, some people forget that, right? Now, it says he's not only your life. It says, and what? And he's the length of your days. In other words, if you want to experience long life, amen, he's it. And that you may dwell in the land or the promised land he's talking about, which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob to give them, praise God, which is still open to you and me today, praise God, a promised land, a promised way of living, praise God. Back up to verse 19 real quick, and it says this, that I have put before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Why? There are, pardon me, therefore, choose life. Everybody say, choose life. It's a choice, isn't it? Now, choosing um, isn't just referring to some momentary selection. Because if, if anybody, you know, if, I don't care who you are, you can be saved or unsaved. If I laid out the difference between the blessing and the curse, everybody's going to choose the blessing. There ain't nobody stupid enough to take the curse. Thought I'd have a little more response out of that one. But anyway, uh, uh, nobody's going to choose the curse. 
Amen? Because a curse deals with, with uh, uh, physical problems, mental problems, fi- financial problems, uh, uh, marital problems, uh, family problems. I and mean, we can go on and on and on. Everything that was listed under the curse. Nobody wants that mess. Everybody would rather have the blessing. Bless when you come in, when you go out. In the city, in the country, amen. In our homes, in our fields, praise God. You're the head, you're, the, you're not the tail, you're above only, not beneath, praise God. You're blessed, you're empowered, amen. Come on, somebody, the blessing is good, yeah. amen. Now, he says that you're, you can have this, but you're going to have to make a choice. But it's not just about some momentary selection. Are you hearing me? It's about making a quality choice or resolute decision Amen. This is what I choose. Now, if you don't do that, what happens is then all these moments come by, all the pressure comes on, all the ups and downs, the ins and outs that try to hit you, and pretty soon you're making decisions that do nothing but keep the door wide open for the enemy. Instead of keeping the door, that, or probably for the, at least to the enemy, keeping that shut down. Amen. So it takes a resolution or a resolute quality choice to stay locked on to life. Amen. Can I hear anybody agreeing with that today? All right. So one of the things, of course, there's a lot of things we've talked on these things before, but uh, we're going to back up a couple chapters. Chapter 28, a verse we looked at last week uh, in the midst of the curse. In fact, I don't know. I thought about maybe reading a few more verses in there, but uh, I don't want to depress anybody. So anyway, uh, the curse, you see, talking about the curse manifesting itself. In full, full force here, he says, why? Because you didn't serve the Lord, your God, with joy and with gladness of heart. In fact, Psalms 100 brings out real clear, we're called to serve the Lord, amen, with gladness. Are you still with me? So, uh, with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, amen. Now, this word uh, joy and gladness, all right? Let me bring this out. Uh, Simkatub is that it's actually two words here. Simkatub, okay, is the Hebrew, all right? And it means gladness out of goodness of heart. So it's talking about gratitude. It's talking about the, the gladness, amen, that comes out of you, out of the goodness of your own heart. Nobody has to compel you, force you, or anything. It just comes out of your heart, amen, that you're grateful for all that God has done for you. Amen. Is anybody in this house saved? Amen. It's good to be saved, isn't it? Anybody heaven bound then? Amen. All right, see, it's good to be heaven bound. Has God ever done anything for you? Yes. Oh, let's try that again. Has God ever done anything for you? Yes. Is God working right now in your life, right now? Yes. Amen. Or is anybody in here expecting of great things to happen tomorrow? Praise God, because you know that in the Word, our God has promised us many things. So we can be thankful, amen, grateful, have some gratitude, amen, for what He has done, for what He is doing, and for what he'll about to, or He's about to do, praise God. Can I hear a big amen? Praise God. So he's talking in here that one of the problems that happen, or happens, I should say, is that if we don't have gladness of heart, joy and gladness of heart, amen, for the abundance of everything he's done, it's going to shut down some things. And it's going to keep a door wide open for the curse. Now, how many know gratitude um, doesn't, um, uh, let's, how we want to say this, doesn't, uh, 
doesn't exclude that there's, you know, doesn't say if you're grateful, you'll never have a pressure moment. See, it doesn't deny, this is probably a better way to say it, doesn't deny the existence of negative situations or issues. doesn't deny the existence of it. But what gratitude will do is deny its right to continue to ex- exist in your life. Did you hear that? So in other words, there are things that come around, things that happen, but if you will remain grateful unto God, it'll shut that mess down in a heartbeat. The problem is we have a tendency to do what the children of Israel did. They missed out on their promised land, at least that first generation, missed out on their promised land because they, instead of were grateful for what God was doing, they decided they wanted to grumble and complain. And the Word made it real clear that they limited God based on what they focused on, what they thought about, and instead of being focused on what God had done for them, they got focused on all the negatives at the moment. And we went through all of that last week. You know, they, you know they, they leave out of Egypt. God delivers them from Egypt. Amen. They come to the Red Sea. They're already griping. And God parts the sea. Uh, they, they go across on dry ground. They get over there. They're already ready to grumble again. But the enemy, or pardon me, the Lord closed in the sea on the enemy. And no more enemy. They sing their little song. They have a dance, a great time. Uh, Miriam goes nuts on her green tambourine, amen. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, they decide, wait a minute, we're, we're out here in the wilderness. What do we do now? And they start whining about water, and God delivers them from a situation there. And they whine about food, and God delivers them from there. They whine about, uh, you know, they want more steady flow of water. They, God delivers them there, causes water to literally flow out of a rock to show them there was nothing too hard for him to do. But yet, the scriptures are clear, you can limit God based on your own focus, based on your own thinking, based on your whining. Now, I know it's nobody in here. We're preaching really for the folks that are watching by internet. Now, we've all been guilty of this mess, haven't we? I said, we've all been guilty of this mess. We've all whined instead of gave God thanks. Amen. And so, you know, the scriptures are pretty clear, both Old Covenant and New Covenant, about avoiding complaining. The Word says, do all things without complaining and disputing, right? That you, it goes on to say, that you may shine as a light to a dark world. Amen. You want to be a difference maker? Stop being a complainer. That's what the world does. I mean, it's amazing. All the, they have all these roundtable sessions and all these different programs, and all they're doing is sitting around whining. They want to talk about what isn't working. Instead about talking about how to make it work. Come on, somebody. I mean, I even see it now even on the sports networks. They got roundtable sessions, and all they want to do is boo-hoo about what ain't working. Bunch of whiner babies. Right? Enough of that mess. Come on now. Stay focused on what you should be focused on, right? The word even is real clear that if anyone even has a complaint against another, amen, that even as Christ forgave you, you forgive them. Come on. Now, the point being is this. 
The word doesn't say that there wouldn't be a complaint. The word is very obvious that there, are, you know, there must be things that are not working right. There's obviously in the scripture, the word literally brings it clear that obviously people will dupe you or do something that somehow aggravates you, annoys you, causes you to be upset. It's out there because people make choices. And I don't know if you've learned this, but I've learned this over the, you know, maybe I'm a slow learner, but I've learned over 30 years that not everybody chooses life. Some people make other choices, and it affects not only their life, but our lives at times. Come on. So what do you do about it? Well, you punch them in the mouth. <laughs> Just seeing if you're listening. No, you don't punch them in the mouth, do you? Amen. Unless it's absolutely necessary. No, no, no. No, no. What? But what happens a lot of times is people want to sit and whine about it. They complain, they murmur, they gripe. The Word says that's what happened to the children of Israel. literally says they, they whined and complained in their tents. They'd come out and it all looks super spiritual like everybody else. And then they go back in their tents and they think, just when you get behind closed doors. That was horrible. Look, Charlie Pride, is that who it was, Charlie Pride? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Is that right? Was that the right one? Uh, that was him? Well, anyway. How many know when you get behind closed doors, God still knows what goes on behind closed doors? Come on, somebody. And so you think because you're behind closed doors, you can whine, bellyache, and murmur and gripe. Well, it's just me and my spouse. Yeah, but you don't understand. You kept the door open for the enemy. Now he keeps coming in, stealing, killing, and destroying. Instead of shut that mess down. Amen. So you've been given, amen, a choice. Choose life. So what do I do about this? Well, do what the Bible says. Do what Jesus said. How about pray for him? What a concept. How about, you know, forgive? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could forgive. You could be merciful, amen. As he was merciful to you, be merciful to them, praise God. There's all kinds of ways around this that you can choose life in the midst of a negative situation. Are you still with me? All right. So we talked quite a bit more about that last week. And, and so uh, I'm going to, uh, we're going to go here. We're going to shift gears a little bit here. And we are going to go to, let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah 51 is where we'll go first. Isaiah 51. Are you with me today? Yeah. Hallelujah. Are you glad you came out on a Sunday morning? Hallelujah. I got about half of you didn't answer on that one, but that's all right. Hallelujah. We're still here. Praise the Lord. Now, um, let's do this. Isaiah 51 and verse 3 says, For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord, joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody or psalm or song, amen, or praise is another word for that. The Lord will comfort Zion. That word comfort means to avenge or restore. Everybody say restore. restore. All right, so I mean, oh, God wants to restore things. 
right? Now, Zion is always a type and a shadow of the church, okay? When you see the word talking about Zion, you have, to you and me, see, all this was written uh, for our own admonition and, and instruction and, and uh, you know, example, and it says it's a type and shadow of things. So it shows us, it's talking about you and me, okay? So when he's talking about Zion, you have to understand, put, you got to put yourself in that situation. So the Lord's here to restore things for the church, for the people of God. Come on. He will comfort or restore or avenge all her waste places, okay? Now, waste places, um, word here just refers to drought or something desolate, okay? Uh, he will make her wilderness, talking about Zion now, okay, Zion's wilderness. In other words, that just means literally uh, driven, in a, uh, past, driven in a pasture without, without sustenance, okay? So in other words, you might feel like you're in the waste places or in the wilderness. And then he uses the word desert here and her desert. And then literally the word desert means sterile valley, okay? You might feel like, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm in the sterile valley, you know. You know, well, it says that he's going to he's going to he's going to make or restore the waste places. Amen. The wilderness will be like Eden. It's talking about the garden of the Lord and the desert again, like the garden of the Lord. So in other words, that's obviously a shift or a change. And may agree with that. So he's talking about restoring something. Amen. Bringing something back to its original state, bringing something back to a divine order. Amen. And it says that how this, in this particular verse, now there's, all, there's other promises throughout the Word, but this particular one brings out that joy and gladness will be found in it. Talk about in Zion or in, in the house of God, the people of God, the family of God, thanksgiving, amen, and the voice of melody or praise or song, amen. In other words, uh, we're finding out that people are in, that people in this condition that are going to see things restored, they're going to be grateful people. Now, the point we're trying to make with this is that sometimes there might be situations going on that we're in the middle of, and it's not that they're of God by any means. The enemy might be having a heyday in your household. Well, one way to turn this thing is to start focusing your attention on the things of God. Set your mind on things above. Amen. Hallelujah. Focus and meditate on that which is good and noble and just and lovely and perfect and of good report. Anything praiseworthy. Meditate on these things. And then the peace of God or wholeness comes in on the scene. Amen. Well, the way to turn this around, amen, is through a thing called gratitude, thanksgiving, amen, praise, amen. Again, again, uh, joy and gladness, amen. Uh, the word again uh, is a Hebrew word again, I should say, is simkatub, okay? So putting those two together, but it just talks about a gladness that comes out of your own heart where you start to be grateful for things instead of focusing on the junk, and all you think about and meditate on and talk about is the junk. Are you with me? Are you still glad you came out on a Sunday morning? Now, um, again, I'm going to say it. This does not you know, tell us that the existence of a negative situation or circumstance, you know, it doesn't, doesn't deny its existence. It's there. It's out there. I mean, you don't have to go very far. To find it, it's out there. 
But what we are denying is concerning its existence, we're denying its right to continue in our lives. Right? So that we got to change that. So we got a, we got a, a purpose to go through the right doors here. Um, Psalms 100, I, I think I gave you that back there, Kathy. Uh, give Kathy a hand clap. What a blessing. Praise the Lord. Um, Psalms 100, verse 4, actually. Let's put verse 4, I believe it is. And it says, enter into his gates. Everybody say his gates. And you know it's, it's plural. The scriptures talk about uh, multiple gates, um, not only of light but of darkness. Come on, there's gates of hell and there's gates of heaven. Come on. There's two different gates, two different doorways. You have to determine which one you want to go through. So you enter into his gates with thanksgiving, with gratitude, and into his courts, all right, with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Amen. You got to learn to be thankful. Learn to be grateful for things. Praise God. The word court there literally means uh, a courtyard. It refers to something that's been, that literally has a, has a, a boundary, has literally like it has hedges all around. Like if you were to picture a, uh, you know, a castle uh, overseas, you know, some big, you know, giant castle and around it has this, uh, you know, this courtyard and has hedges that are perfectly trimmed, everything around. Literally says, if you want that kind of atmosphere and environment, then you're going to have to do it through a thing called thanksgiving and a thing called praise. It's that simple. Well, I don't feel like praising God. Well, that means you need to offer a sacrifice of it and get after it anyway. Amen. You ever notice that the time you need it the most is when you feel like doing it the least? So you have to purpose, amen, remember now we're talking about choosing life. Make a resolute decision. You don't just choose life when it's convenient. You don't just choose life, you know, after the preacher had, you know, had to kind of define it all again. You go, oh, yeah, that's what I want. No, you got you to want it every day. Now the temptation is to grumble, gripe, and complain all day. Come on now. I know it's none of you in here again. Remember, just we run. No, we all need it. Amen. So you choose life. So what we're going to do here today, let's go to um, let's go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. So we're talking a little bit about restoring things, making things right. 2 Samuel, we have a story of, of David bringing in the Ark of the Covenant. Now, most of us know the story. But let's hang on a little bit because David kind of had, had some understanding of some of this, all right? Now, it ain't saying that he always walked in it, but when he did, he saw the, the results of it. Amen. Now, what's going on um, due to a circumstance, a situation that happened? They were doing some things wrong by handle, the way they handled the Ark of the Covenant. And so the, the Ark of the Covenant ended up being stored at the house of Odom Edom, okay? And um, it was stored there for a few months or whatever it was. And uh, while it was there, it, uh, great things happened. Why will you think if the Ark of the Covenant's there, some good things are going to happen, right? So the Ark of the Covenant, verse 11, uh, remained in the house. I'm in uh, 2 Samuel 6, verse 11. Sorry about that. The Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Odom Edom, uh, the Gittite, uh, for three months. There it is. And the Lord blessed, amen, empowered Odom Edom and all his household. Uh, now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Odom Edom and all the belongings to him uh, because the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God. Of course, this time did it right. 
uh, from the house of Odomedom to the city of David with what? Gladness, with gratitude. He was grateful for the ark. Come on, somebody. He was grateful. So it was that when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, uh, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted. In other words, we're doing this thing right. We're going to offer the right sacrifice, do everything like we're supposed to. Then David, here we go, danced before the Lord with all his might. I think we might have a little bit of joy there too. What do you think, huh? So he danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. In other words, he was dancing in his BBDs. Now, I'm not asking or requiring anybody to do that. Please don't. But he was grateful enough that the ark was there. He didn't care. So he's dancing down the, down the street, amen, uh, as the ark of the covenant's coming into town. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the, of the Lord came into the city of David, uh, Michal, which uh, looks like Michael, but it's Michal is her name, uh, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Everybody say, Not, not good, Michal. You're gonna, uh, that's not good. You're opening up a door you don't want to open. Come on. Now, David kicked open the other door because it was hinged with gratitude. Praise God. So he's, he's tapping life. Odom Edom household was blessed because they were grateful. Come on, somebody. And so as every time their people are grateful, they give God room to move. They literally create an environment that's conducive for miracles. Come on, somebody, signs and wonders, amen. But when you grumble, gripe, and complain, it kicks another door open. And it ain't a door you want open. Do I hear somebody agree with that today? Amen. Nobody wants that mess. So, so they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord, praise God. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts, all right? So in other words, he's, he's fruitful and blessing others. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, and to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, amen. And there, in other words, they just had a, themselves a great party, praise God, and a cake of raisins, well, okay. And all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, uh, came out to meet David and said, how glorious, and then she's saying this not sarcastically, come on, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Way to go, king. Right? And David said to Michal, it was before the Lord. It wasn't done for anybody else. It was before the Lord. And, who, and he, he goes on and adds to it, who chose me instead of your father and all his household to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Amen. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more undignified than this and will be uh, humble in my own sight. In other words, you think that that was undignified? Honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. But for the maidservants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. In other words, nobody else took it wrong. You're the only one that did. You're the only one griping, the only one complaining here. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children 
to the day of her death. She was barren because that's what happens. There's no life when there's no gratitude. There's no life when there's no gratitude. You don't swing the doors open to life. You swing the doors open to darkness, to the enemy, when you grumble, gripe, and complain. Now, isn't it, isn't it, really, a, isn't it really a manipulative thing what the enemy has done over the years? How he stirs that in our nation, stirs that in our media, stirs that in all organizations out there, you know, Every little so-called debate turns into an argument. Come on, somebody. A gripe session. Come on, somebody. We have one, one thing after another. They all sit around a round table and talk about all the things that go wrong. Oh, they might have a few good things in there, but for the most part, we're going to complain about who they agree with, who they don't agree with, why they don't agree with them, why they need to be eliminated. Come on, somebody. And it's just this manipulative thing by the enemy to get everybody in the nation to grumble, gripe, and complain. Let's gripe about our president. Let's gripe about our nation. Let's gripe about each other. Let's gripe about our spouse. Let's gripe about our finances. Let's gripe about the economy. Let's gripe about our health. Let's gripe about whatever we can think about to gripe about. Let's just gripe. Well, what we're doing is keeping a door wide open for the enemy to keep coming in and doing what the enemy does. Steals, kills, destroys. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. That's how it works. And the enemy wants it to be that way. All right? Now, David understood some things about, about gratitude. All right? Let's... Um, Let's do this. Um, I'm not sure what order I gave it to you, Kathy, but I, I want to go back to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 22, please. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of liberty here, and let me bring it out, and you'll see why I'm, I'm doing it the way I'm doing it, but I believe it's going to make sense. Verse 1 of sec, uh, 1 Samuel 22, verse 1 says, David therefore departed from there to escape to the cave of Adullam. Okay, now the cave of Adullam, the word Adullam means a place of insignificance. Okay, now if you recall what's going on right now is he's running from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. He had the big thing that happened there at, uh, uh, with Goliath, um, took out Goliath. Everybody now singing songs about David and, uh, uh, you know, about how, you know, who, you know, he's a hero. He's not only a hometown hero, he's a national hero became nationally known, a national hero, literally, based on one event. Nobody knew about all the time he spent in the fields, praising God and worshiping God. Nobody, in fact, even when the prophet of God came to his house to anoint uh, one, of, uh, one of Jesse's sons as the next king, amen, they didn't even think about him. He's the little guy out back watching the sheep. So nobody really gave him any mind. Now, of course, he gets anointed, amen? And so, uh, you know, Saul is all upset, jealous, mad, and basically, you know, wants to kill David. If I can kill David, you know, I won't lose my throne. All right? So David's running right now, all right? 
Now, what happens, though, it says here, he departed from there and went to the cave of Doom. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to meet him, okay, at this cave, all right, this place of no significance, just a cave, a cave of Adullam, a cave of no significance. It's just, you know, a little cave outside of town, whatever. Verse 2, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. He didn't call them. They all showed up to the cave of Adullam, a place of no significance. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Now, we don't know how many, uh, you know, wives, children. We don't know about at this time. We do know they all end up uh, all together, all the households and families. We know that later on when they all end up in Ziklag, a city, and they're all housed there and everything. And so whether the, the wives and the children are, are all, see, it must be a pretty good-sized cave of no significance. Anyway, the point is, all right, all those, amen, who are distressed, in debt, and discontented, all right? So just real quick, okay, so uh, distressed just means uh, an inability or limited physically is what this word means. Okay, in debt means finan financial limitations. It kind of means what it says there. And then discontented means more about mental, uh, a mental uh, disposition, but it's talking about those who are um, um, uh, grumbling, upset, worked up, angry. In fact, I think your cross-reference might even use the word bitter, right? So what we have here is not only people that maybe are physically limited, financially limited, but we got whiners. Well, why would they all gather? Because they're all upset about the same thing. King Saul had no business to do that to you, David, so we're with you. A cause. A day then, uh, times then are no different than times today. So let's, let's whine about something together. Let's all hook up to a cause. And our cause is based on the same griping and complaining. I agree with your griping. You agree with my griping. I, go, I agree with your complaining. You agree with my complaining. We all agree. Yeah. Yeah. We're with you, David. Yeah. David's going, great. So he became captain over them. But the funny thing is about this group. This group became what we referred to later on as the mighty men of David. They became this band of brothers, this, this little group of men that every other army feared. They were in distress. They were physically limited, 
they were financially limited and they definitely were mentally limited based on the complaining, right? But somehow that all changed. How did that change? Well, because David wasn't a moaner and a groaner. And if you're going to be in my group, you're going to shut your mouth when it comes time to whining and griping and complaining. We're not going to put up with it. You want to whine and complain? Go back and hang out with Saul. He's a whiner. Right? He, he grumbles. He complains. So if you want to stay here, we're not going to let that happen. Now, with that said, go with me to Psalms chapter 4, please. Are you doing all right? Yeah. Psalms 4. Listen, you know, the scriptures are filled with, well, literally it says this, okay, in the New Covenant. It says, in Christ there's simplicity. There's nothing complicated about how this stuff works. But it doesn't say, you know, it doesn't say it's easy. It just says it's simple. It's not complicated. So it's, it's a simple thing to know that just by being a thankful person, a grateful person, a praiser of God instead of a complainer will shift the tide on things in our life. It's a simple thing. But in our society, it becomes a... It becomes a hard thing because everywhere around us is nothing but complaining. So this is a psalm of David. And uh, he says, verse 4, he says, Be angry and, and do not sin. Of course, that gets uh, uh, quoted again in the New Covenant. But it, it literally means... Uh, uh, you, it's okay to be agitated, but just don't cross lines. Have you ever been agitated about something? Come on, it's okay to say yes. See, you can be agitated, but there are things that go on that we don't like. I don't like the fact that they did that. I don't like the fact that they said that. I don't like the fact that that's happening right now. That agitates me. It upsets me. But I refuse to go to the place where it crosses a line and now I've opened the door to the enemy and instead of shutting that mess down, we hook up and just let it roll through our own households. That's why you can change even if the whole nation is having an economy problem, you can shift that problem just by being a praiser of God and being thankful to God for all that He's done for you. Instead of sitting here whining at everybody else, well, you know, the economy, you know. So what we do is we do it the simple way, the simple principle of being thankful, amen, being a, a person that is uh, grateful, having some gratitude about what God is doing. And if we will just maintain that, it gives God room to come in there and restore change, turn this thing around, amen, in your life. Even if everywhere else around you is going down the toilet, you're soaring in God, amen. Why? Because you are a grateful person. 
Can I hear a big amen? amen? Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah. In other words, listen, don't let it come out your mouth. All this stuff's going on, but you keep your head, you keep your heart, and you keep your mouth right. Are you still with me? Verse 5, please. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness or rightness. In other words, do, sow the do-good seed. That's what it means. All right? So do what's right here. That's why he said, Selah, stop and think about this, okay? Before you let this thing get out of hand, okay, this happened, that happened. We're not denying its existence, but I'm denying its right to continue to exist in my household. So how do you do it? Amen. You start getting your head right, your heart right, praise God, and you sow the do-good seed. That means say what you're supposed to say, do what you're supposed to do, sow the right things, praise God, so you can shift this and turn this thing around. Now, either we believe in an unseen God or we don't. And we have to believe not only in a good God, but we have to be aware of a bad enemy. And like I said earlier, the enemy has done a good job to keep everybody really, in a sense, ignorant to his presence. So we go on accepting everything that comes down the pike as if it's of God, and it's not. Or we just allow stuff to continue by, by, by jumping on board with everybody else, talking the same thing. Come on, somebody. Instead of changing this thing. Are you with me? A simple principle that may not always be, you know, easy to do. Are you still with me? But you have to make a choice. I said you have to make a choice. That's where this resolute decision has got to be there. That you're not going to let this other mess come out your mouth. Amen. You're not going to cross a line with it, even though it might be something that agitates you. Amen. We'll do the right thing to change it. I'll try this side. Do the right thing to change it. Amen. If you don't like what's happening, then listen, that's why the greater one, you have, you have all of heaven's resources at your disposal. So you make a choice, amen, that if I don't like this situation, I'm going to do Sow the do-good seed here. If it means I pray, if it means I make declarations of faith, if it means I sow a seed, if it means whatever, I do the do-good thing. Why? Because I can change what I don't like. You know, it's just, you know, maybe a little bit on the soapbox here, but, uh, you know, if you don't like things in your nation, then vote and pray. What the Bible, that's what the Bible says, right? Do your part. Don't just whine about it. Amen. We can change this thing. We can turn things. We can shift things. Amen. Do your part. Anyway, you don't like things at home? Do your part. Well, I don't like how my spouse is treating me. How about be respectful? How about love them? How about honor them? Come on, somebody. Well, now, wait a minute. That's No. You can shift this by doing the God way. Come on. Pray for them. Well, I got all these enemies. Pray for them. That's why he said, do you think God was saying, you know, pray for them and take a beating? 
You know, even when he says turn the cheek, he's not talking about just stand there and take a beating. He said, do the God thing and turn this thing instead of getting caught up in it, and now you're just as guilty as they are. Just making sure I'm that word of victory today. Right? I mean, we get so caught up in this stuff, and the next thing you know, we're just as guilty. We're saying things we shouldn't say. We're acting in ways we shouldn't act. We're caught over. Our mouth now is talking the same old mess. Well, I better get this done today. Huh? Some of you looking like, let's get on here. There are many who say, verse 6 here. Well, actually, I don't think I finished the verse today. Offer the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Come on. Trusting God here. So you can say all day, I trust God. But now he's asking you, really, really, trust me. All this is going on. You can change this, but trust me. I can turn this. There are many who say, verse 6, who will show us any good? That's, what, and that's said in a way, you know, I mean, is there ever, I mean, there isn't anything out here that's worth, I mean, everything's bad, everything's ugly, everything's horrible. Not like, is, there, I mean, is there ever going to be anything? How come nothing ever swings my way? I don't ever think, oh, life just, oh, my God. Who will show us any good? That's what he said. Some will say. Many will say, right? Lord, here we go. Now he's talking. Lord, now this is a psalm of David. Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. Praise God. Verse 7, please. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that there are grain and wine. In other words, no matter even all the good things out, God is even more good than anything else out there. It doesn't matter whether this is happening, that's happening, this is going on, this is going on. When I focus on Him for what He's done, for what He's doing, for what He's about to do, Amen. I got gladness filling up in my heart. Praise God. Verse 8. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. I can, I, that's like when, when, when Saul was trying to kill him, chasing him. Uh, you know, the word, uh, you know, he could have he killed Saul more than once. I mean, he could have walked right out there because of the favor of God that was on him. He could have killed Saul in front of everybody if he wanted to. But the word, he's made it real clear, he was not about to bring harm to God's anointed Instead, he came pray. He was thankful. He was still hoping that somehow or another things would shift in Saul. But regardless of what was going on, he could lie down in peace and sleep like a baby. For you alone, O Lord, in other words, I put my trust in you, and you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Can't hurt me. Can't touch it. Dun, 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 dun. I wouldn't go over very good either. But anyway. <laughs> so, amen. So we're talking about a man that understood gladness. Amen. Psalm 30 brings out, you've turned my mourning into dancing. You've clothed me with gladness. So why did I bring this out? Because this is the guy that became captain over the rest of them. And something changed them. They're no longer the same people anymore. They're now a band of men that everybody fears. They're not enabled 
inept anymore. They're now, amen, a, a driving force that literally when, what is there, like 30 of them, they, they talk about what they've done, the feats they did, and three major ones and all the great things they did. And all these were men that came out of this group because the captain taught them a few things. Us sitting here whining about what we don't like isn't going to work. We focus on what God's doing and not on what ain't going right. Are you still with me? Years ago, I heard a quote by uh, Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, this actually is a good one. And uh, I think it was at a time she was having a, her and Dolly Parton were doing a, a show together or some kind of thing, some deal. And, and, uh, and, and they're both sisters in the Lord. They both claim Christ. And um, uh, both of them uh, have had, obviously, they were, I think at that time, the number one and number two female entertainers that really the wealthiest of the female entertainers because of everything that was happening for them. And they were talking about the things that they're grateful for and all that kind of stuff. And Oprah made a comment. She says, if you look at what you have in life, you will always have more. But if you look at what you don't have in life, you'll never have enough. So when you always focus on the negative, it just, it just compounds. But if you focus on the good, I thought that's a pretty good quote. Amen. And the two of them talked about how they're grateful to the Lord. And uh, it was actually a pretty good little program. And they talked about their prayer time with God, their time with the Word, and time with the Lord. And I thought that was pretty cool. Now, I don't know where they stand on the rest of their walk. I don't know that. But all I know is that right on national television, they talk about how grateful they are to the Lord for what He's done in their lives. That's pretty good. They could have said something else, right? So I thought that was pretty good. But we're seeing a man here that could uh, make a difference in the rest of this group. In fact, later on, we have a situation at Ziklag, um, later on in, in 1 Samuel, and um, we have a, a, a situation where all the families of the men were, you know, living in Ziklag. The boys go off to war. They come back, and as they come back into town, everything's burning. Everything's, you know, the, the town had been ransacked. They get to town. All their families are gone. Everything they own is gone, been, been literally uh, ransacked, everything taken. The boys... You know, don't know what to do. Everybody's, you know, grieved and, and sad, and, and uh, the boys literally want to stone David. What do you, well, I guess that's what you do when you get upset. But anyway, David didn't get moved by it. He didn't sit here and argue his point, you know. Uh, they just, uh, they're just upset. They're so upset, they're just wanting to take it out on somebody. And so the word says he made a decision just to go to the Lord. Why? Because that's who he trusts in. Lord, what do you think? What's going on? Lord told him, pursue him, and you'll recover all. You'll turn this thing around. Told him exactly what to do. So he told, you know, the boys. I don't know how he said it to him. I don't know. Maybe he called them a bunch of whiner babies. I don't know. He might have. He might not have. Uh, we don't know. But all I know is he told him, listen, put your rocks down. Stop thinking about stoning me, and let's go get them. 
So they turn around, they head back out, they go get them, and yes, just like the Lord said, they recover all. Everything gets turned around. They could have sat in town and boo-hooed, and everybody else just get further and further away, come on somebody, and lost everything. Are you still with me? I think about this, how many times in our own lives, while we're sitting here whining, we could be changing it. Well, anyway, the word is pretty clear about our Lord and Savior that he was, um, he was anointed with the oil of gladness. Psalm 46 or 45, I believe it is. And um, also we see it in he Hebrews uh, 1, it's repeated. But Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness. He was grateful. I said he was grateful. Um, gratefulness restores things. Um, it turns things around. Um, Jesus, even when feeding the thousands, and a lot of people just look at this and, and, and just say, well, you know, that was Jesus. And, but listen, the Word says He took the few loaves and, uh, and the few fish, and they're all thinking, you know, they're looking at what they don't have, and He's looking at what He does have. And so he takes what he does have, and in one of the cases it said literally he lifts it before God and he gives thanks for this. He turns back, hands it to the disciples who then turn. He says, go feed them. Now I'm sure at first they're going, dude, this ain't going to last but the first row, right? Because we got thousands of people here. They turn, and as they turned, it multiplied in their, in their hands. The only thing Jesus did was lift it and then give gratitude and thanks for what God had provided, turn, hand it to them, and it multiplied and met the need. Gratitude, grateful, thankful. It makes room for God to move, right? Okay, ten lepers. Jesus coming into town, 10 lepers out there in the leper colony start yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. So Jesus says, all right, go show yourselves to the priests. We see this in, I believe it's Luke 17. Go show yourself to the priests. So the word says, as they went, they were cleansed. Now, the reason they had to go show himself to the priest because they couldn't come back into society until the priest gave the okie-dokie, come on, that you can go back into society. Because with that disease, it's a, it's a flesh-eating disease. You are not allowed in public because we don't want this spreading. So they go out to the colony, and that's where you hang out. And if by some chance that disease ceases on you, we're going to know it, and we can then put you back in society. Now, the chances of that are pretty slim, but could be. As they went, they were cleansed. Still with me? One man comes back, a foreigner, but he comes back and he gives thanks, gratitude to the one, amen, that he credits to being whole. Come on, or being, being made uh, cleansed, I should say. And so, that's a key word, by the way, cleansed, okay? Jesus then, you know, acknowledges it. Obviously, it's a big thing. 
and then says, amen, now you go your way, but your faith made you whole. That word there is sozo, different word, but it means a complete work. It actually is the word we use for saved. Now, salvation is the word soteria, the word saved is sozo, but it means a complete work. Come on, somebody. When you got saved, it was a complete work, not partial, a complete work made whole. And he didn't have to go back to the priest. He now goes his own way. Do you know why? Because there wouldn't be no way of telling whether he ever had the disease. The others are going to go there, and even though they're cleansed from the disease, there's still evidence they had the disease. Flesh-eating disease that eats away of your, your fingers, your toes, your ears, your nose, and eventually will kill you. So I'm just saying, Jesus made a distinction. They went that way. They were cleansed. He goes his own way. He's whole. So he not only got cleansed from the disease, whatever he was missing, he's no longer missing. I mean, even if he went to the priest, the priest would look at him like, dude, you didn't ever have this, right? Now, all I'm saying is, isn't it amazing what gratitude can change and shift? I mean, I'd rather have all my fingers. I mean, I'd be grateful that if I at least, you know, ended up with some of them, but it's a better deal to have all of them, right? Right? And to actually have my ears. I have little ears anyway, but it's nice to have ears. A nose. Uh-uh. That I don't have to cover up every time I come into public because everybody's going to know that one time I had leprosy. I'm just saying it makes a difference. Years ago, we had the privilege, my wife and myself had the privilege of, of uh, going to somebody's home that's a, a nationally known minister, and um, Brother Jesse Duplantis. And um, years ago, we befriended Jesse and Kathy at a minister's conference and um, just, just befriended them, nothing you know, big. We just, they just knew where we were from, and we got to visit, and every year after that, we'd see them. They would greet each other, and how's, how's how y'all doing, that kind of a thing. So... Uh, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, surface for the most part. And, uh, but years later, um, got connected to uh, Mike and Elaine Amile, and who are actually best friends with Jesse and Kathy. And so one year we're down, uh, down in New Orleans, down there visiting and spending some time with Mike and Elaine. And, and uh, so Mike just says, you know, what do you want to do this afternoon? I tell you what, let's, let's go over to Jesse's, over to, uh, we're going to go over to Jesse's uh, uh, headquarters over there and see if Jesse's home, if he's back or if he's, if he's gone ministering or whatever. So we went over there, and we didn't know if we were going to see Jesse or not. But we get in there, here comes Jesse out you know, from out from the office. Hey, what's happening? You know, and then, oh, okay, Grace. We all go up to the office, and, and, you know, and he's showing us everything that God's done here and God's done there and, you know, made us get behind his desk and taking pictures and all that kind of fun stuff, you know. And we're just, you know, laughing with them all. And just those two just kind of went off. They're just, you know, a lot of fun and joking around, and we kind of all got in on it, and it was great. So then pretty soon he says, he says hey, you know, let's go to the house. It's amazing. So I went to the house, and man, it was amazing. And 
we go in the front door, and he said, I had the whole front entry done up like um, the, uh, what was it called? Gone. gone with the wind. The whole entry is done. Like gone, as you come in, the stair step that goes up and around, and, and it's just it's just beautiful place. And the thing that I noticed, because a lot of times with guys like that, they're going to get a lot of ridicule, a lot, get condemned for everything, and and uh, they don't do, they're not doing it wrong. And so he he starts going, he says, listen, I want to show you the place. So me and Trudy are going along, and Mike's just laughing because we're, we're like two little kids, you know, going, <laughs> wow. And problem, the thing was, I shouldn't say problem, but the thing was, Jesse was just as much a kid. And Kathy just standing there while he's telling, and he's going through everything. He took us in this room. He says, let me show you this. You see this? And look, i got to tell you what God did how we ended up this was amazing he goes through the whole story and then he goes over this piece and this whole thing right here you see this man this is what god did this is amazing we're like and so come on let's go to the other room we go yeah let me show you and the whole time just like a kid in a candy store i'm talking about jesse went through every room, could literally tell you how God gave him this, what God did here, what happened with the situation, how this came about, how the Lord turned this and brought this around, brought this so he could have this. Every room, and there was a bunch of them. <laughs> every room, he could tell you what the Lord did for this and how he did this. I mean, down bedroom sets and how the Lord blessed him with this bedroom set from King Louis Third or some kind of crazy thing like that. You're thinking, okay. But he's like, oh, and God. And you're like, oh. And so then when Jesse goes, Jesus loves Jesse. Now you know he's right. Yeah. You want to know why? Jesse's grateful. And you may not, you can think whatever you want to think about it. But I have firsthand, that boy was grateful. And God just keeps doing things for him. Because he's grateful. Anybody hear me? And he came out of the poorest of the poor. Living basically on the streets. And what God did for him. And then all the stuff he did and later on became a musician and all the stuff he did in bands and even then before he knew the Lord. But then when he came to know Jesus, it all shifted. And God did one thing after another for this man. And that was a, it was an honor to be able to be around it. Just to, it was an honor just to experience being around him and in that, in that, seeing that. That's what blessed us the most. Just to see the gratitude that this man walked in. So... Learned a lesson with that one. Amen. That there's power in thanksgiving. Did you get something today? Yeah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise, if you will. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Let me pray over you. <clears throat> Definitely didn't have time to go through all these things, but you can go through several situations where God restored things just based on joy and gladness of heart. Hezekiah restored the temple worship based and stirred within the people.
joy and gladness of heart. Nehemiah celebrating the temple, or the, the, the restoration of the wall based on with gladness and thanksgiving. Jeremiah 33 talks about the restoration of a nation, and it's going to happen through the voice of joy and the voice of gladness. You want things restored? You want things turned around? Say and talk the right things. Amen. Have a grateful heart. Amen. And you'll watch God move on your behalf. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Father, we give praise and glory once again. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these principles. Thank you, Lord God, for a people that have gratitude. Praise the Lord. People grateful for what you've done, for what you're doing, and for what you're about to do. Father, we give honor and thanks. Thank you, Lord God, for showing yourself strong on behalf of our households, our families, our friends. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in our midst. Hallelujah. Even in our church, praise God, doing glorious things. Hallelujah. And Father, we give you all the thanks, all the praise, all the honor in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. If you're in here today. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.